The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests as individuals and do not necessarily reflect those of advertisers or sponsors. This show is intended as entertainment and commentary only. The producers strive for verisimilitude, but nothing said on this podcast should be taken as fact by the listener or viewer without performing due diligence. The existence, the physical universe, is basically playful. There is no necessity for it whatsoever. It isn't going anywhere. That is to say, it doesn't have some destination that it ought to arrive at. This is Keep Your Hat On, a show by three nerdy nobodies and one nerdy kind of a somebody about nothing in particular. Keep Your Hat On is brought to you by the Narrow Band Broadcast Network. NBBN, the focus is on you. By Andrew Scott Media. And by the kind support of KYHO fans everywhere via Patreon. Patreon, create on your own terms. On this episode, Andrew wonders, is Elon the lesser of two evils or just evil? Yes, that's true. Dr. Mark goes in for horse feet. Chris goes 20 minutes into the future. And Robert goes missing. I'm your disembodied announcer, Mr. Brumage, and oh yeah, this bitch is back, baby. Now, let's get whatever the hell this is started. Here are your hosts, Andrew, Robert, Dr. Mark, and, yep, everybody's big old nostalgic buddy, Chris. And hello and welcome back to Keep Your Hat On, the show where hell even we don't know where we're going to go. I'm Andrew Scott, I think, along with my good friend, Christopher Vacano. And Dr. Mark Peterson. Ooh. Ooh, yeah. And we are back. Sorry we went away. Uh, well, no, not sorry we went away. We went away out of necessity. We, uh, we, had a, we had a number of things going on. It's been a very busy number of months, and I won't go into a whole lot of blah, blah about it, except for that, um, gosh, we needed a break. And um, we needed a break for a number of different reasons. I'm seeing scary looking stuff on my waveform. That's one of the Am reasons. Sounding, it must be it. Guys? Am I sounding all right yeah, to you well, guys? Yeah, as well as you ever do. Yeah. Well, I'm the audio professional. I should sound like the voice of God for yeah. Christ's sake. Um, well, you know what? I'm just going to. It's good enough, dude. Anyways, <laughs> we are back. And we are back without our good, dear brother of the hat, Ty Robert Anthony. He is preoccupied today, but he sends his love and regards, et cetera, et cetera. So what's been going on with y'all? Uh, well, I've been working uh, your side of the street, Andy. Um... Yeah, no, I, uh, I got roped into this out of necessity, at least in a remote control fashion. Chris, yeah. why don't you give us the news? Yeah, so uh, I recently had a uh, kidney stone and UTI. And, um, oh, dear. Uh, boy, was that unpleasant. The Bactrim was just brutal. I mean, the, the drug was worse than the <laughs> worse than the sickness. But no, trust uh, me, it's not. But well, <laughs> good point. Good point. Um, but uh, a funny story about it. Uh, I went to see the doctor and got the UTI diagnosed and he prescribed me the Bactrim. And thankfully, uh, boy, this is part of getting older. I, I mean, I know I'm 50 now. Thankfully, I happen to have um, an adult undergarment on um, and 
Uh, I'm standing in line at the Rite Aid waiting to get my prescription. And, and, and so, you know, up to that point that day, you know, I was doing okay. I was, I was able to hold it, not having the urgency thing. And it hits me right in the middle of the line. And it's, there is nothing like the feeling of that instant panic of, oh my God, I've got to go. You're looking around, no bathroom in sight. Then it's, oh my God, I'm going. And then you're looking around and you're like, oh, <laughs> wait a minute. It's all good. Okay. Look cool. (laughs) You know, (laughs) pretend nothing's going on. There's also that part of you in your brain going, but I'm in the middle of the line. If I leave now, (laughs) right. Lose your spot. I wonder now, you know, this is. So that was my little adventure. (laughs) This has put me in mind. uh, uh, And I've had a lot of sympathy since I'm now 65 plus, and I have a lot of sympathy for my uh, senior. Uh, neighbors and colleagues, but it hadn't occurred to me that that the uh, that the contented look on their face in line at the pharmacy might be something <laughs> different. I, I immediately think of they're all uh, smiling. You know, it's like, well, I can wait. I'm good. <laughs> uh, it reminds me of the scene in Dirty Rotten Scoundrels where they're at the dinner table, and uh, it's uh, Steve Martin is like, I got to go to the bathroom. And, and no, we're busy. We're not. And he just sits there and suddenly you see him go. <laughs> no, no. Well, Chris, glad you're better. Um, yeah, you so know, am I. <laughs> yeah, from one brother of the kidney to another. Yeah, and yeah, a, new, you know? a new a marketing opportunity for Depends that I, I haven't even seen this one in the commercials yet. This is the yeah. thing, you know. Standing in line. Standing with in line. I can yeah. imagine well, standing hey, in line, being on the bus. Um, we're looking for sponsors. We're always looking for sponsors. Waiting at the DMV. If you're out there. Well, so. yeah, yeah. Tell you what, folks, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back with the all-new Faster Paste. Keep your hat on it. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. Boom. Okay, there. See? That was easy. I remembered the entire thing as soon as I said hello and welcome back. I was like, yeah. It's like riding a bike. <laughs> This is Keep Your Hat On. I'm Andrew Scott, along with Dr. Mark Peterson and Chris Vacano. And I have a question for both of you. Yes. Go for it. Is Elon Musk an evil genius uh, or is he just evil? Huh. Or a simulation of evil or. Right. Yeah. I don't even well, know now. Well, I have a good friend. Of mine uh, I'm, who, I'm, I'm thinking let's. I, I have a good friend who brought up that. He's never seen anybody burn through so much goodwill from the public so quickly. Yeah, I mean that. And 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 remember if, when he when he first came out with with Tesla with the cars and he said, <laughs> "I am not going to copyright protect any oh, of that, my yeah. technology." He sure did. He really was. You know, he was coming from well, 
or purporting to come from the open source community. Mm -hmm. This idea mm -hmm. that technology should benefit everyone mm -hmm. and that if you build a good mousetrap, yet somebody else figures out a way to make it even better, don't you owe it to society to allow them to do so? And then suddenly, the next thing you know, well, not the next thing, years later, we're now being told that, oh, yeah, I know my satellites that are absolutely clouding up the night sky to the point where you can't see a star anymore, uh, suddenly is really important to keeping people in Ukraine connected with the outside world and keeping information coming out of it. But we can't afford to do that for free anymore, says the world's richest or second richest, whatever number he is now. And, and oh, by the way, he's been having little chats with Vladimir Putin. Yeah. Yeah, he's Allegedly. been talking, back channeling Putin. I, you can make what you want of that analogy. I mean, it's all, but, um, it's all, it's all very weird and hard to connect. I, embedded in your question are two words: evil and genius. Uh, and honestly, very good point. I take I take exception to both words. Embedded. I don't I don't think he's either. I don't think he's particularly evil, and I don't think he's particularly a genius. I think I think Elon Musk is a very very clever businessman. I, I want to, I'm going to throw a word out there that I think matches really well. And that is astute. He is astute. He, uh, he He's knows how to read the tea leaves. He does. I have a dear friend of mine that actually Mark uh, met at one point in time who shall remain nameless, who uh, went to work at SpaceX oh, no and kidding. worked at SpaceX for about two years. Mm -hmm. And he uh, he left SpaceX to go back to uh, a line of work that he f found out he was more interested in. It's not that he wasn't interested in working on rocket engines. <laughs> yeah. It's that he was not working on rocket engines in the environment that Musk had fostered for SpaceX. Oh. And I'm, I have very complicated feelings about it because... I know a number of people that still work at SpaceX, and mm -hmm. I believe in SpaceX's mission. But every time my my friend said, every time I talked with Elon in person, I felt like I needed to wash myself with bleach. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> Go get that Silkwood shower. Yeah, right. um, Mark, oh, what do you, Mark? What do you make of what do you make of all this? Yeah, so I, I'm always I'm always torn when I watch him. Um, uh, I was for many years married into a family filled with people on the autistic spectrum, so I've had a and lot of practice. I, and and I'm there. Kids there. Plenty of people are yeah, there. And, and it's like in any and uh, Mr. Musk is uh, is clearly right. I think he's told he's ad admitted this right. Acknowledged oh, this. He's, oh, he's, yeah. He's asked and it's like yeah. um, and so. Um, in a lot of ways, the kind of emotional context that might play out in, in, in people without, you know, who are a little bit further off the spectrum than he is, that context is just missing for him. So he just sees things as sort of, you know, as a rule. I mean, my observation is too, so forget about the, forget about his uh, cognitive structures, but he just seems to see things in terms of the algorithms, right? And it's like nothing else really matters around that. Yeah. It's, 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 it's something I'm going to bring this topic up again, but it's almost like it, experiencing a little bit of the uncanny valley when you watch him talk because he looks like a human being. <laughs> he, he's making face sounds, but there's something there. Like you say, Mark, it's like he's, it's almost like he's looking back 
at you through the curtain of the Matrix. He's, he's almost kind of a Westworld host. <laughs> Very much. And all these yeah. are your numbers. I, I'm reminded, you know, if if I wanted to talk about what would what would or wouldn't make him evil, I, I always go to immediately to Hannah Arendt's definition about evil as banal, right? The banality yeah. of evil. And what she had in mind sort of triggers with watching him uh, send giant dildos into space, you know, and, and buying Twitter and so on. Um, and that's that that the nature of this, the, the kind of evil that she was describing in the Nazi regime was not like Himmler and the guys in the camps who were actually no. shoveling people into ovens and stuff. It was the it was the uh, officious, efficient uh, and clever little men in Berlin who were working on train schedules to try to maximize the efficiency of the of the process. Yes, take the humanity out of it and look at it merely as a system. Right, and yeah, then sort then, of the then benign you, indifference. Yeah, yeah, then you have all these guys that that had a really good day at work because they figured out how to put, you know, how to increase the throughput. And now that you know, they go out for a beer afterwards, and then they go home, and you know, Inga has made pot roast, and life is right. a really good day. And it's like, it's like I think Musk thinks about things in that same kind of well. Look, let's see how we can get, you know, now whether it's right or wrong. See, so I'm still kind of hung up on the idea whether it's right or wrong for private individuals to be sending spaceships into 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 space. I mean, I think this has to be governmental. I think it has to be a planetary agreement because the amount of junk that's up there now is going it's to keep horrific. us. Yeah, it's going to keep us from going up in another ten years. They just had to move the International Space Station uh, by about a half a kilometer uh, because of a Russian piece of space junk that at one point in time was a Russian satellite that the Russians used for target practice so with uh, a, a missile. It's the scatter field anti- now, right? Of, you know, anti-satellite, yeah. uh, 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 anti-satellite practice that just created, I mean, it's literally like standing on a bridge over an overpass and throwing, you know, a giant handful of screws down at traffic. Yeah, it's much. just huge wash Pretty of much. material so that's now orbiting the yeah. earth so you know the fact that one man can do that and that he you know if if you can do that you then you're and you're, you don't really seem to be concerned about the long-term stuff he made all the noise when it came to tesla you know initially right well, yeah um and they're poised now i mean you know it's every car company is moving to electric here in the next few years right mm-hmm. as a rule yeah yeah and it's uh, yeah we're starting to see that tide turn in favor, really, really favorably towards electric vehicles. One thing I'd like to point out uh, is is there's also kind of this um, this mythology of Elon that that surrounds him. Um, and and for example, the the sort of average person, I think, is under the misimpression that. Elon started Tesla. No, Tesla existed. Right, he bought exactly. it. Uh, and this is what Elon does, is he buys companies, changes their trajectory, helps them grow. Uh, you know, he's he's essentially, um, for lack of a better way of describing it, he's essentially a really effective, really capable angel investor. Um, well, I would say that he's actually a really effective, really capable hatchet man. <laughs> well, remember and- how we used to refer to a corporate axe men who would go in there, look at the entire company from the top down, 
and find who to kill. Yeah. Find and, who to kill. And, and that's definitely what, what appears to be happening at Twitter. You know, there's talk of 75,000 yeah. layoffs um, or 7,500. Uh, yeah. Some absurd Here, number. About 70% of the Twitter workforce is getting getting cards to go home. And I was fo- I follow somebody on Twitter who actually had the intestinal fortitude to say, I was just personally fired by Elon Musk. I have been at Twitter for 12 years, hit my DMs, willing to talk, screw the NDA. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, awesome. I mean, that's going to be really interesting. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a very lax Twitter user. I read Twitter more than I use Twitter. Um, I use Twitter mostly for my own brands and projects and things like that. But I, I mean, I've fallen very far away from social media, except for my presence here with you guys on YouTube mm-hmm. and a few other things that I do. Well, and um, just because of the level of toxicity that it engenders in me, well, I feel is, bad every time I use this it. This is this is what's interesting to me is is the old pillars of social media are starting to crumble. I mean, Facebook and Twitter are they are in decline. Twitter is clearly in decline, and I, I almost wonder, I, I don't think anybody really knows what the end game is, and, and maybe Elon doesn't know, but I wonder if the end game on Twitter is not to save it, but to destroy it. To, to- I am not, I'm not surprised to hear you say that, and I am not dismissing that either. Um well, that you know, would because, make him not evil, I would think. That would make him good. Unless, <laughs> unless, unless his, well, here, I'll tell you what Elon's real end goal, end game is. And that is, he doesn't even know. Mm. He just wants to be at the end of the rainbow. He just wants to be what people find after the dust settles. Mm. And I'm uh, here. I'm going to say this. I'm going to not be comfortable saying it, but I'm going to say it. I believe that Musk has political dreams. I, I think that's pretty clear. He's telegraphing that pretty hard at this point. I mean, he's doing it really I mean, here. He's doing it with a little bit more finesse than somebody else in our recent presidents. Um, but I, I just, the altruism is gone. The magnet, the, the magnanimity is gone. I got to say magnanimity. Um, yeah, again, he's burned through most social capital and goodwill yet. He keeps this moving forward because more than anything, because he's got this cult following of people who idealize him and again where have we seen that in the right exactly exactly although i i wonder if if i i I don't disagree i think i think it's very clear he's got maybe not political aspirations but aspirations to power and the reason i make that distinction is i'm not sure whether he wants to become the guy that's pulling the levers of the political machine, i.e. the president or whatever, whatever goal you, you choose to pick, or if he wants to be a kingmaker. 
Uh, well, he, I already think has, he already has more money than God. If he wants to buy senators, he can do that now. I mean, right. Yeah. And, you know, my thing is, I do, Chris, think that you're on to something because the one thing that and we're discovering this now, if you've been paying attention to what's been going on in Washington lately, <laughs> and that is even as the president, there's accountability and there's accountability primarily because of your visibility. Mm hmm. So being president, as Mark and I used to riff uh, when having cigarettes in between classes back in the day, um, you know, we, we came up with this idea, and it's not an original idea, we just thought it was hilarious, that we should pick presidents out of the phone book. <laughs> Remember those? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, still and, a good and, idea, and, by the way. Because we had the whole thing set up. You would, uh, your office would be in a disused Motel 8 on the interstate. <laughs> And um, you would only be able to eat takeout food from five different restaurants. Yeah. And um, yeah, no, make it be a misery. Yeah. Make it be something people don't want to do, but they fulfill their obligations and then they get out. Yeah, a very platonic, a platonic notion of very president. Platonic yeah. Because yeah. at that point, <laughs> really the only way out is to satisfy people yeah, because what, our punishment for doing a bad job was to keep you in power. <laughs> what you're, yeah, what uh, you're describing is enforced servant leadership. Yes, exactly right. Um, but what I think is going on with Elon is that he just wants to engineer or game the entire system so that he's the one making the decisions <laughs> and setting the trajectory, but then when shit goes sideways and people aren't happy, they can't point at him. Yeah. And I just think of the self-driving car thing. It's a perfect model because at the end of the day, when some poor person gets run over, they can blame the car and not the company. <laughs> right. So the whole thing is, is kind of meta in a way that we're going to get into a little bit further uh, in, in uh, one of our upcoming segments. But speaking of that, we're going to step away. We're going to come right back. Dr. Mark is up next. Don't go anywhere. Bye. Oh. Out. Yeah, no, that was good. Tighter's better. I uh, wonder, you know, though, it's like I, we might be overthinking him, too, right? Which is that he's just another rich guy who likes money. For the next segment of Keep Your Hat On, I'm Andrew Scott, along with Christopher Vicano and Mark and his new obsession. Oh, and the dreadful what? confession, guilty pleasure component of Keep oh, Your Hat On tonight. Well, <clears throat> let's encourage our uh, our listeners to to supply their own weirdness. I've had <laughs> I've had a couple of very um, and to me alarming uh, 
bits of, we were talking about social media before, the algorithm on Facebook kicked up a couple of really odd things for me in the reels section, which right. worries me about what my algorithm is saying. Um, one of them was over the summer, <clears throat> I think we talked about this before, um, uh, streamers, World of Warcraft streamers. Right. Uh, that, you know, that Vanguard, that's been a problem for me. And uh, so I spent, a, I know I spent a little time every day over the summer, you know, take about half an hour watching some of these wackos go at it. And it was, the, they've got everything set up now, you know, the, the uh, dialogue is great. It's like watching really good commentary. And you sort of wish you were playing, but you're not good enough to play. Well, that was bad That's enough, but we're not done. And what happened <laughs> just out of the blue about a month ago on the reels, which, you know, it's interesting. If you notice this, people have complained about this. Instagram, Facebook, like you were saying, Chris, they're running more ads now, right? And it's like they're, they're, uh, they're trying to suck you in. And, and what I hate is that I know this and it's working. So, right. <laughs> and so here's the one that got me uh, here this last month. And I've kind of just gotten, I've fixated, well, not fixated, but I'm sufficiently fixated that it bothers me that I'm watching them. Ready? It is... Farriers, a word I only got to ever use in Scrabble. F A R R I E R S. Farriers. People also who also known as horseshoes. Horseshoers, yeah, baby. Uh, okay. And there's there's a whole new uh, a whole new subgroup of of videos apparently on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook and God and everywhere um, where they just show people uh, reshoeing horses. And there's something like stupefyingly soothing about this and it actually makes you want to get a pedicure or something right. um, no that's what i said earlier today yeah, when I, you brought i was like it just makes me want to get a really good petty yeah i there's something uh peculiar but now there are all these other ones which of course now what happened was when i once i clicked on these and they've been fun the uh there are some grotesque ones right where they show you, you know, yeah. infected hooves, you know, and the, oh, oh, baby. Well, there's this because I clicked on one of those. I, the algorithm also decided. Oh no! I needed to see. Yeah, the pop, the pimple popping uh, oh, subcategory of Doctor Pimple Popper, oh, and the oh. and the and the earwax oh. removal category oh. of. Oh wait, earwax removal is hilarious. Sure, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> one of those guys in in, in like Bangalore. Oh yeah, or no, in, in China's got their full. Those guys have got a whole thing down, man. Yeah, they're pushing it in there, like you know, it, it looks like blue silly putty, and it, then they're they're supposed to just rip it out, but this gets stuck in yeah, this whole guy. Things. So yeah. here's the thing: it's like so. No, I have not. I, I will. I'm gratified to let you know that I have not gone completely. Uh, I have not become addicted to earwax. <laughs> That you didn't plan on saying that today, no, or ever. It's it's another it's another one to add to the list of things I never thought I would say, um, <laughs> including I including got, I got the thumbnail for this video. <laughs> in, by the way, in, including including uh, including why? Yes, I'd love another peanut butter and mayonnaise sandwich. I never thought I'd say that either out loud. Okay. Delicious. Um, there are some people. Have we talked about this? Because there, there. This is the you thing. Oh well, yeah. maybe we have. It's like there are. There's a. There's a. There's a cluster of us in North America who were fed peanut butter and mayonnaise sandwiches, and um, we are anathema to the peanut butter and jelly crowd, aren't we? Uh, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I it's just, ways, but it's a uh, I got to be. In the mood, I got to be in the mood for peanut butter and mayonnaise. Well, so back to horse feed. 
Um, they also do cows. And uh, what I found about this is that uh, it, it's delightfully soothing to watch a couple of these. And it's like the horse feels better afterwards. Now, I avoid the grotesque ones where they dig in and they, they hit the... Uh, they they let the, the yeah, the, they they, yeah. they pop. Yeah, it's it's not, not okay. good. Okay, I'm fine. Everything's fine. But so, Move on. but so okay. But so while I've enjoyed watching, because like I never knew how to do this with a with a horse or a cow. Like just in case of emergency, I may one day right. need to shoe a horse. Part, and got that part of your head going. I might need to use this, and now I'm trained. Right. I, you know, I was a Boy Scout, and you, there's things you want to know, and this might be one of them. And it's like even though, uh, even though. Uh, I'm never going to know need to know these things again, right? Somehow it still feels appropriate. Now, so, okay, fine. It's bad enough that I'm interested in this. What I really am interested in, and I wish we could find this out, is why so many people are. And, I mean, this is a huge subcategory yeah. inside uh, uh, all of the media prop properties right now. It's like, and there's a lot of production involved in this, which meant these people who are shooing... Yeah, well, yeah, but you actually work for a living. These are people just like <laughs> taking pictures of cow's feet. And it's like, it's not OnlyFans. I suppose there's an OnlyFans site for cow oh. feet. There's bound to be, isn't there? There's bound to be. Oh, and, and a Tumblr. Crowd, if the OnlyFans company merged with the Farmers Only company, so it'd be Farmers Only company. <laughs> wow. Wow. TM. TM. So I, I'm just always amazed at what happens in the universe. You know, I, I always thought I was, I thought, you know, I grew up in the 70s. I thought I was fairly sophisticated. No, it turns out that's not true. <laughs> no, I think a lot of it has to go, uh, you know, I mean, we're living in this post-pandemic, even though the pandemic's not over. By the way, get your boosters. Um, yeah. We're living in this world now where we learned something from the pandemic and from lockdown and isolation. <sighs> and that is, there's so much more media than we uh, assume yeah. at first. Yeah. You know, yeah. we were still coming out of the, the, the model of we had our big networks and then we had our, our larger uh, media platforms. And we thought that that was it. Once you binged everything on Netflix and started looking around YouTube and all these other social media platforms, and realize there's so much more really interesting stuff that you've never been privy to, never right, seen. Right, right. Um, you know, for me, it was things like, uh, you know, and I'm a, a woodworker after a fashion. I can't claim to be anything other than just a hobbyist. Yeah. But um, wood lathe videos for me at oh. the beginning of the pandemic, watching somebody take a gnarled up piece of, you know, spalted, root oh, and exquisite about that isn't there and there's always there's also something very soothing about watching somebody here's the arete word yeah watching somebody do something beautiful excellent right? yeah with excellent yeah. skill and the rest and i think we get we get a dopamine hit you know when we watch it and it sticks in our head and then we kind of go and now, you know, in the event of an emergency, I should probably be able to do that, which is completely and utterly wrong. But we love feeling that way. <laughs> Maybe. You know, when, when, when you break it down this way, you've actually just given me a really, really optimistic thought about, about humanity and about ourselves. Oh, that wasn't my intent. No, but there is an embedded From Calfee in that, to optimism. Go, boy. I, go. I, see, I see a really optimistic thought here, which is that maybe just maybe we're discovering that our 
real lives, the banal day-to-day things we do, uh, our hobbies, our interests, what we as virtually anonymous individuals in the world have to have to show off about ourselves is more interesting than what the gatekeepers have been feeding us for so long and telling us to be interested in. That was yeah. that. I, that was the ideal uh, of the social media in the beginning, right? I mean, I will give you. I will give you uh, another example. I had, I had one of my musician friends put me on to uh, uh, a guy on um, Instagram. I think it's Dust to Digital, and it's oh yeah. Have you seen yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like a collection yeah. of exotic and eccentric musicians from all over the world, amateurs. Just you know, twenty seconds Rocking of each one, out. and it's blowing your friggin' mind. Oh, it's fantastic stuff. And it's like, and and I won't even tell you. Um, one of my other buddies, who is uh, a cellist uh, wannabe, um, apparently TikTok has its own cello channel. Oh yeah. So um, yeah. I, this, so Chris, maybe there's a there's a point about the optimism there. Um, yeah, I mean, it feels I, like I, it I, feels I, like I'm going to I'm going to actually side with you, Chris. I think there is something very optimistic here. At least if you're not getting optimism out of it as a consumer, I will feel optimistic. And I've said this a number of times in past episodes, too. I'm all for killing off our old ideas and models of media. Mm-hmm. Because, as you said, Chris, I'm vastly more interested and motivated in seeing real people, not what I'm told is interesting, what I find or, interesting. Or, or what you're told are the stories of real people. What you're told is going on out in the world. Yeah. You know, I mean, Miami and, Vice I, is not real. Wow, Chris, you're going back to Miami Vice? Wow. Sure. Well, I, I, it just happened to be top of mind. It's weird. That's the third Miami Vice reference for me today. But to, to be serious, I, I think you're absolutely right in that we're, we're at, oh, God, I hate saying this. Say we it. are at. We are at this nexus point. A crossroads. An inflection point. Yeah. (laughs) Where, yeah, let's get them all out there. Um, (laughs) Where we're finally, as your average human beings, thanks to this dumb thing, Mm. as much a ball and chain as it is a a path to freedom. It's our liberator. Yeah. I I mean. Because all you need, all you need to make really good content as I sit here in a half a garage filled with lights and very expensive bleepity things. All you really need to make good content and reach people is a halfway decent mobile phone. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, you know, again, I've gone through the, the last eight months of my life building this into a YouTube studio because I do a, another thing link below, I guess, maybe if you care, um, (laughs) Look at that. I'm so bad with my brand carrying. I don't even mention my brand. Come on. Come on. Brand up, baby. It is called Booth Camp. I do training and, quite frankly, cheerleading for the home voiceover community, which is what I do for a living. Um, But really, the barrier to entry into being a content creator and putting your story out there to the wider world is as low as it's ever been. And there's some great stuff that's coming out of it. I mean, everybody knows who Mr. Beast is and even Mr. Beast. <laughs> yeah. is, I mean, that young man has given away millions and millions and millions of dollars 
to people who need it. Yeah. It just so happens that the way he's doing it is very entertaining. Mm -hmm. But you've also got people like Mark Rober, uh, the guy who does the, the Christmas <laughs> glitter bombs. Uh, oh, rag, I love that. Uh, but he's also teaching players. us about science. <laughs> yeah. He's teaching us about engineering. Yeah. you got people like Rob Scallon. Uh, who is uh, a musician down just south of the border from you, uh, Mark. He's uh, right in the Rockford, Illinois area. Oh, um, phenomenal musician. Phenomenal musician. Mm -hmm. Took you on an hour-long tour inside a pipe organ. <laughs> uh, and not only that, they figured out how to connect the pipe organ to his computer via MIDI to play mental stuff mm -hmm. but watching him literally climbing around inside the guts of a pipe organ that's vastly more interesting to me than anything that's on television that's anything that's been given to me by a big network well, well, and frankly well, i'm thankful for the change I, I, yeah i am too uh, because i think I think we're finally realizing the potential that, that we've all been talking about for the last 30 years of, of the internet. What I think this inflection point is, is that we're seeing the democratization of culture. And as an institution, what should be more democratic than culture? Because culture well, is made up of individuals. It's I tell you what, when we come when we come back from the break, we're going to take a hard left-hand turn uh, because I think it holds hands very well with what we're talking about now. Don't go anywhere. This is Keep Your Hat On. I'm Andy. That's Mark. That's Chris. We'll be back. We are under an hour already. <laughs> For the final segment of Keep Your Hat On, I'm Andrew Scott, along with Dr. Mark Still. Peterson and Chris Vacano. And we were just talking about the democratization of culture and, frankly, the democratization of media and creating it. And I'm not picking a bone with you, Chris, but I think that your optimism here might be coloring the reality of what's going on in this regard. The way I see it is this, you know, us Gen X and Boomer people, you know, we grew up with media, with television primarily, with a little bit of radio thrown in there. Radio was the place where you could get away with shit mm -hmm. until they were all bought it's up. also where the music was. Yeah, exactly until right. Until MTV yeah. came along. Until MTV came along as the disruptor for a while. And, you know, I mean, that's still one of my favorite jokes. Every, the annual uh, celebration 
of the birth of MTV, uh, you know, here in 2022 is, you know, hey, it's MTV's birthday. Thanks for 11 years of music. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, when you talk about media and you talk about mass media and modern me media, we were uh, effectively for generations all the way back to when TV first became a thing. And Dr. Mark will attest to this, you know, TV was a vehicle for advertising. Yeah, it TV was about the commercials. Because of advertising. And if you didn't do advertising, you needed to have a foundation or some kind of benefactor behind you so you could run commercial free. And, you know, if you ever go down the rabbit hole of reading the Illuminati series, <laughs> we of course have, we of course have Wilson. Fnord. Yep. Fnord. Nord. Um, really... <laughs> we all were aware that we were being advertised to mm -hmm. yet we allowed that to become part of our culture to the point where certain advertisements are now and even were back then cultural touchstones they were things that you know i mean I, I hate to say it i can still say the list of ingredients for a mcdonald's big mac backwards i can sing the song <laughs> Well, I, can, I think Barry onion, Manilow wrote that, didn't he? Bun, Did he really? On onions, pickles, cheese, lettuce, sauce, special patties, beef all too. Oh. Why, why is there oh. room in my gray computer for that? And it's just, it, that became a cultural phenomenon mm -hmm. that my sisters and I just decided to do backwards. Wow. But we've got all the brands and slogans and, you know, Mark and I are, are, uh, of Wisconsin to one degree or another. And of course we had all the Miller light commercials now, back. You am now, you am mostly son. Yeah. You are most Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, but where I'm going with this is there was a, 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 a change that started happening in the mid to late eighties. And of course this does hold hands with the rise of, computer communication i didn't say the internet yet no, i said community mm -hmm. go now, on well, go on do tell there was, it wasn't really available to us we were on fidonet if we were lucky <laughs> yeah i um, mean bbsing was with the rise of that and the rise of writers uh, futurists books like um you know, a neuromancer oh, and right. oh, yeah, Snow William Gibson, Crash. Snow Crash, man. it was transformative. Yeah. Crash. Um, you know, we had these people, we had these, I, I don't even want to say they're fiction writers um, because I think that minimizes what they were bringing to the table. Yeah. We had yeah. these speculative writers looking into the future and sometimes not looking all that far into the future. Like maybe, 20 minutes into the future. Oh, segue. That, thank you. Thank you for noticing. <laughs> well done. That brings us to one of the most interesting cultural phenomena of the 80s that still gets referenced today. But I really think that even going all the way back then, if you were just the heppest kid around, you still didn't really get it. And that is Max Headroom. M -m 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 Max you don't even do that well. <laughs> okay. Neither do I. Neither does anybody. Nobody does. Um, Matt Frewer does that really well. <laughs> exactly right. And um, Chris, you did a little dive 
into it and that's going to lead to a slightly larger discussion uh, sure. but i am one of these people where back when max headroom was breaking i was involved i was a club dj and a musician and a couple other things but i was involved <laughs> in the culture where video mashing was becoming a thing mm -hmm. where people were getting a hold of technology that if used properly could mash video together on the fly, real time, or with very little lag. I was involved as a DJ in environments where they were doing a lot of video projections. So I knew a lot of these people. I also ran really weird hours. And I also, also, also lived right north of one of the largest broadcast markets in the world, Chicago. Mm -hmm. And on a good night, we could get WGN or a number of other Chicago terrestrial television broadcasting stations. And I would watch one of them because they would play Doctor Who at an hour where I was available to see it. And that was WTTW. Yeah. WTTW. Yep. And something very infamous happened that I have the honor to say I watched happen in real time. And Chris, why don't you pick this up and give us a quick rundown of what went on? Yeah, so if, um, on the night of November 22nd, 1987, a unknown individual hijacked first the WGN signal during the primetime news, mm. uh, during the sportscast, and talking about the bears, yeah, bears. talking about the bears, and and was interrupted. Signal cut out, goes black for about fifteen seconds, and then someone wearing a Max Headroom screen. And this is decidedly, I mean, if you see the video, it's decidedly. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'll, I'm sure I'll dump the video. Low in here production somehow. quality, but, but it was very much of the UHF kind of ilk that was going on well, at the time. Here to, to throw one thing in there, Max Headroom was already a thing. Mm -hmm. yes. Max Headroom comes from a movie literally called 20 minutes, Max Headroom 20 minutes into the future. Into the future. Um, so he was just really cresting this wave of popularity and notoriety. Uh, yeah. And, and so the Max Headroom that they put on WGN was not that Max yeah, Headroom. Yeah, this was not that Max. <laughs> this was not the legit Max Headroom. Uh, and and yeah, there was a TV series that ran for a year. Uh, you know, I mentioned, I, I that's that's why Miami Vice was top of mind is because Miami Vice beat. <laughs> you were in, in the 80s, baby. Well, knocked, knocked Max Headroom off of the air. I mean, beat it in the <laughs> yeah. ratings. And that was the end of it. Yeah. It was the uh, pastels. Yeah, it, yeah, it was. Yeah, the 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 linen suits. Um, yeah. So so he interrupts, and and you know the WGN engineers, they were there, they were on the ball, they got they got the signal back uh, within about thirty and seconds. WGN was the third largest broadcast country. Yeah, and and incidentally, I, you know, in my in my digging, I I didn't actually realize this because I'm from the West. I grew up in Colorado and have lived on the West Coast. I I had no idea WGN was actually owned by the Chicago Tribune, right. which and world's and, greatest and, newspaper. WGN. Yeah, exactly. WGN yeah. stands for world's right. greatest newspaper. Yeah. Uh, which which is important because it actually gets mentioned in the second hit 
that happened on the same night, two hours and later. This is, the one, this is the one that I saw firsthand. Where, where, where the same hacker broke in, and, and I use the term loosely because, I mean, it was a hack, but not in the way that we think well, about it today. Uh, we'll, we'll come back to that in a second, but go ahead. Yeah, broke into the Doctor Who signal uh, mm-hmm. on WTTW, and that WTTW was a was a uh, PBS PDF. channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The local PBS affiliate, um, and those engineers had gone home for the night, so yeah. the entire the entire message ran, and then he returned the, sig- the signal back. Well, I'm going to do this message a message uh, yeah, because it, got, it was a very it stream of consciousness. So, it got so weird. So fast. <laughs> I was a weird person at the time, and it was beyond my level of weirdness. We have we have sex toys, we have spankings, yes, we have references to things that even I didn't know of then. Well, and 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 there's a really bizarre uh shot taken at the then announcer for the Chicago Bulls, Chuck Swirsky. Yeah. Which I mean, Chuck Swirsky, totally benign guy. He just did the play-by-play call for the Bulls. I mean, so so there was this weird sideways broadside attack on him. Uh, it was just sort of all over the map, stream of consciousness. I mean, it was like it was like trying was, to read Ulysses on crack. Uh, it was the definition of surreal. Yeah, and where that brings me to is. A couple things. First off, yeah. in my mind, culturally, this is the first. Ex- and, and and look, people they used to have um, they used to have uh, terrestrial broadcast hijacking happen every once in a while. Yeah, but it wasn't would normally that be, no, it would normally be a very small station, underpowered, and broadcasting out of what they referred to as a shallow tower, mm-hmm. and it was not that big a deal. And of course, the FCC would go out and scold somebody. This is the first time in modern history that somebody as big as WGN, let alone TT, it was somebody as big as WGN had their signal taken away from them at the height of the Cold War. (laughs) (laughs) And it really scared the pants out of pretty much everybody. Now we don't have because they, they were worried that military signals were vulnerable. But the other thing that this did is it was the first time a big segment of the culture understood what hacking was. Now, we did have hackers back in those days, but they were normally rather disaffected people that worked in the industries mm-hmm. that they affect yeah wasn't that big a deal. it was guys like but, richard richard mitnick figuring out how to steal phone calls you know exactly right yeah days. or red line or war driving or all yeah. these sorts of old things but this was the first time that a hack impacted the public and it really in my mind is the watermark of where hacking made itself known in public consciousness. Mm. Hmm. Now, to move forward from this, what's really, really interesting to me now is that our buddy Max Headroom is headed back to us. For those of us who watched, 
I still personally feel like Max Headroom went over everybody's head. Everybody's head. Even those of us who think that we know mm-hmm. and think that we got it, <laughs> didn't quite get he, it. He, he and was it was still 20 minutes ahead of us. <laughs> it was always exactly. 20 minutes ahead of us. The thing that it took me the better part of 20 years to really grok is, you know, and everybody's got their theory. Max Headroom was pointing towards uh, corporatization and privatization of information. And, you know, what Max Headroom really was, was pointing us to the fact that we are all not who we think we are. And Max Headroom is, to go back to use a term I did before, it is the personification of the uncanny valley. Mm-hmm. Everybody is not who they think. It is so much more meta than I understood it to be when it was first on. That's why it didn't last because yeah. it was funny. It was interesting and people thought it was computer generated. It wasn't, it was an actor, but where it winds up bringing us is it, it, it wasn't any of those things. Yeah. And we started to get uncomfortable like we do with the Uncanny Valley. Yes, we got and un- then uncomfortable we, because, we, got, we, uh, because we wanted something more comfortable. So we went and watched Miami Vice because <laughs> we wanted to see what it looked like to look cool. Yeah. And and I, I think you're, you, you really hit the nail on the head as to why Max didn't take hold then is we weren't ready to receive the message. We weren't ready to be told that, that we're not who we think we are because we're defining ourselves in terms that have been given to us by others uh, within a framework that has been provided for us. And, and this comes back to what we were talking about before the break about democratization of culture. I mean, the two things really go hand in hand uh, because mm. now we're at least farther along in the path to where we can start exploring that question and, and asking the question, who are we really? But here's the thing with the democratization of culture, just as with democracy. And unfortunately we're really learning that now. (laughs) I think makes people uncomfortable. uh I think I've, I I think I've given Dr. Mark an aneurysm. (laughs) No, it's like, you know, I I hang out with all these Jungians, right? And, Um, you know, yes, not only does, uh, having, see, I, I, the way I've been thinking about this for like 50 years now, which is like completely alarming to me, but I think I'm right about this. Hanging out with you. Dude. But I think I, I figured this out pretty early on. This is too much Martin Buber and Kierkegaard, but, but I, I, um, and also the song of Solomon, I think I'm going to say, but, um, the one thing that, that is, seems to be absolutely clear to me is that, uh, nobody really wants, uh, wisdom and no. they will do anything. And by this, I really mean just awareness of who we really are. So to go to your thing, Chris, in order to get to the, in order to get to who we really are, there are, uh, uh, the culture has created uh, all sorts of rituals and mediations and sublimations in order to make that co- not just comfortable, but possible because it's typically and palatable. Pal- well, yes, palatable yes. because uh, it is not palatable as you guys, I know you guys know this being confronted <sighs> with who you are 
is just awful. <laughs> it's the it's worse than watching pus being drained out of cow feet. I will watch pus being drained out of what if, a cow hoof any day. What if we do that? And so, so you know, I wonder, frankly. So you know, you talk about the democratization of culture. There's going to be a horrific um, resistance and reaction to this. And I wonder <clears throat> if that might not be what we're seeing now, because. If you this current our current political situation, regardless of sure. where you happen to land, is is all it's all about making up angry stuff and screaming it, and then discovering that there's a lot of other people who like it. Exactly, and this you is know, this is exactly the kind of reaction you would expect. You know, when you do an intervention on a culture, <laughs> you go, "We really it, love you," but this thing you've got for algorithms yeah. and cow hooves is is <laughs> right. a problem. And people will lose their shit when you say that to them. Anyway, I think that's, you know, it's where we go. I'm always reminded too, Chris, and this is the, my own, what's left of my elitism, uh, which is that, that democracy is by definition, the rule of the mob. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so there's yeah, always going to be dangers attached to that. I'm also a believer I, in it, by the oh, way. I, but, I, but, yeah. Uh, I, I tend to agree. I, yeah. in fact, I don't disagree. Yeah. Um, and, and. You know, maybe there's a certain reverent tone in my voice whenever I say the D word, um, but I also recognize the risks and dangers of it. And yeah. and it uh, digital is that the or, no right, democracy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you defined that, Chris, because if somebody tuned in right now, they were going to be thinking something very different. <laughs> the D word. It goes back. To, uh, you know, if you spent any time reading the classics, which I encourage everybody to oh, do, um, the hoi polloi have the power. They just don't know it because a few very clever people have convinced them otherwise. Right. Like Elon that's, Musk. It's him. That's the whole it's game. That's and, the Shia whole LaBeouf. And, 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 and Shia LaBeouf. And actually, uh, uh, to go a step farther the hoi polloi want it that way so that they don't have to deal with the power. They don't have to yeah. deal oh. with the responsibility. And, well, and they don't have to think about it. They, they don't have to think, think period, full stop. Say, so, you know, the violence that we're seeing uh, uh, to common sense and so on, are, that's all the sort of stuff you would expect a reactive consciousness to cough up, you know, like the, yeah. the furball of self-consciousness hacked up into the public sphere. How about that? Mm-hmm. Freedom makes people nauseous. You know, and that could be a new Tic Tac, a TikTok channel. That could be that could be a a new uh, slogan for keep your hat on. (laughs) Come experience our freedom and our nausea. Um, I'm really interested, though, in the reboot. I think it'd be a reboot Mm. of Max Hedger because of all people. It is being uh, piloted by Elijah Wood. Yeah. And. I found Elijah Wood post Hobbits to be an absolutely fascinating. Yeah, he did, art. he wanted to do some really, really interesting for, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, you know, it's one of those where I'm going to give that some space. Uh, by the way, the other fascinating thing about this is that Matt Frewer is coming back as Max Headroom. <laughs> They're not doing this whole, you know, it's a reboot in every way, except for we're not bringing the actual person back. Yeah. Um, no, um, you know, it's, it's Max Headroom 40 years into the future now. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to I'm going to be interested in seeing it because the one thing that I think as we as we wrap up that I'm going to leave with people is 
I think we all agree that we weren't ready for Max Headroom then. <laughs> I think we might be ready for Max Headroom now because everything about that show that made no sense to anybody back then, hello, Blipverts, yeah. is actually something that we're all steeped in, living in now. Yes, we live in that dystopia now. Yeah, it's just not as grimy and um blade runnery yeah made as, for television well <laughs> yeah. it, it will be just give it a few more years that antarctica is going to melt and greenland's going to melt and then exactly. we'll be there. up to our nuts and ocean <laughs> yeah you're right well i tell you what everybody that's what we got for you this time this is the return of keep your hat on <laughs> programming note we are going to be doing this once a month we would much rather be able to do it once a month with quality than twice a month the way it was there i just said it out loud out loud um we will be back uh in uh december Hmm. with our christmas episode i think we already did krampus so we're not going to do that but (laughs) there's until next time everybody (laughs) i'm andrew scott that's dr mark peterson chris vacano and on behalf of ty robert anthony Remember, keep your hat on. We may end up miles from here. Thanks a lot, everybody. Talk to you again soon. Get your shots and bye-bye. Well, there's a chunk of time you can't get back. From Portland, Oregon and Milwaukee, Wisconsin, this has been Keep Your Hat On, a big little show about a whole lot of nothing in particular. Keep Your Hat On is a narrow band broadcast network production in association with andrewscottmedia.com. Andrew Scott, executive producer. Robert Anthony and Chris Vacano, associate producers. Our theme music was written and produced by Andrew Scott, along with guitar help from Ron Kajawa. Website design and maintenance by Vacano Creative. Chris Vacano, webmaster. Available at VacanoCreative.com. Audio and video production by Andrew Scott. Available at AndrewScottMedia.com. Got ideas or comments for the show? Email us at talkback at kyhopodcast.com. And don't forget to like, click, and subscribe. On behalf of the boys, I'm your announcer, Mr. Brumage. Thanks for listening. Uh, I guess. NBBN. The Narrow Band Broadcast Network. The focus is on you.